Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest introduced to you now. Amy Fields Perrin is a 68-year-old who grew up in New Orleans and moved to Maine over 32 years ago. She had spent 20 years as a vegetarian, 7 years as a raw vegan, 7 years on a low-carbohydrate diet, 8 years on keto and locavore diets, and the last 4 years as a carnivore. She was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 16 in 1971. She started her health research in 1976 after becoming convinced that all health conditions could be healed naturally, which was the reason for her trying so many different diets. She has three grown children and six grandchildren, and unfortunately, her husband of 42 years passed away in 2021 of colon cancer. She had collaborated with him, posing for hundreds of figure paintings for 36 years, and worked as his assistant in teaching oil painting. She also worked as his videographer and producer of his oil painting online classes, as well as traveling to assist in teaching painting workshops. She is now a still-life painter and health researcher and coach, specializing in diabetes and blood sugar control. Her carnivore posts help inspire others to try a low-carbohydrate or carnivore diet with her delicious food photos and helpful information. Amy Fields Perrin, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Boundless Body Radio. Thank you so much, Casey. I really appreciate being here. I'm so glad to have you, if for nothing else, to tell you that that last line in the introduction is absolutely true. You post the most delicious looking meals ever. It always makes me just a little bit hungry when I see your meals pop up. They look amazing. Well, thank you. I always want my food to taste good, so... That's great. Well, you have been through quite the journey yourself with food and have tried many different diets. We mentioned a few of them in the introduction. And even that wasn't even like I, I moved some things around so it would make a little bit more sense. But but that wasn't even the true order that you went in. And so um, I'd love to talk to you today about your journey and all the different diets you've been through and things you've learned along the way. Um, I think it's great that you've ended up on a carnivore diet. And frankly, I don't know of really anybody who does a carnivore diet and decides they're going to switch back to doing like plant-based. I definitely see people that add plants back in and do okay with them. But most people who go carnivore, they, you know, kind of stay in that realm. I haven't seen anybody deviate from that. That said, there are many benefits to other diets that, that maybe we don't talk about enough around here. And so I would love to talk to you about your journey through health and all the different things you learned along the way. Okay. Well, it's, I was just thinking about it the other day. There's a lot that I have learned through the years. And because I've been on this health journey for so long, I've ended up in really good health at an age that a lot of people think is old. And I don't feel old. So um, when I first started researching health, I just started reading books because, of course, there wasn't an internet back then. and. I became convinced that everything could be healed. Um, even though type 1 diabetes is known as something that cannot be healed, I was convinced. So I was on this journey. So I started out as a vegetarian because mostly it was the 70s and that was kind of the thing to do. Um, but what I learned was all about... I shopped in the health food store. I learned about food labels. I learned about ingredients. And I learned that what you put in your body was going to make a lot of difference in how you felt and how good your health was. And so that I stayed on that diet for 20 years. Luckily, um, I ate plenty of eggs and dairy so that my kids 
grew so I could have kids and my kids grew up, even though they were raised mostly vegetarian, at least we had some animal protein. Wow. I mean, that sounds, so, sounds very similar to Lier Keith, except for he, she went hard vegan, but it was about that same time frame, wasn't it? Kind of in the 70s and 80s? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. So then after vegetarian, I'm going to look at my notes because, oh, right, I found Dr. Bernstein. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah. But Richard, Bernstein, he, was a type, he is a type 1 diabetic, and he came up with a very low-carb diet. And I found him through an article about frozen shoulder because at the time, so I'd, by the time I found him in 1996, I had had type one diabetes for um, 25 years and I was starting to really suffer with complications, but they weren't the typical complications, which would be kidney disease or vision loss or heart trouble, I had problems in my joints. So I had frozen shoulders, I had frozen hips and painful knees. And these things are not listed as a type one diabetic complication. So I, could, I thought I had some other weird disease. I couldn't find out what was wrong with me until a friend sent me an article that Dr. Bernstein had written all about frozen shoulder. And I found out that it was a complication of high blood sugars and sent off for his cassette tapes because it was in the dark ages. <laughs> I sent for his cassette tapes about the low carb and, and, and about intense insulin regimen because then I went from one shot a day to five shots a day. And I went from a high-carb vegetarian diet to a very low-carb Dr. Bernstein diet. Mm. And within a couple of months, all my pain went away. Wow. All my frozen went away. I was perfectly fine. Wow. So that lasted for seven years. And I guess what I learned during that diet was how important low carbohydrate was. And because I read other low carbohydrate books, I learned about how important low carbohydrate was for everybody, not just diabetics. Yeah. Because I read, I read the low carbohydrate athletic, what's the name of that book? I knew I was going to freeze on this, but you know, there's a lot of other I read Protein Power. I read the Volick and Finney books, you know, and I just came, became convinced that low carbohydrate was good for everybody. Mm. So then I heard about um, this kid who had been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and his mother put him, I think he was like eight years old, his mother put him on a raw vegan diet. And he never had to take insulin. So I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to change my diet and go on a raw vegan diet, which I did. Um, while I was on the raw vegan diet for the next seven years, I did a lot of fasting, juice fasting. I did tons of colonics. I did um, 
I did the raw vegan diet, very low carb with no fruit, which I think was beneficial for me because I have friends who were raw vegan at the same time I was, and they became type two diabetics because they were their diet with so much fruit. Mm. So I, I, um, I did pretty well on that diet. I even had a snack company that I made onion bread and granola and all kinds of stuff in my dehydrators. And I had that company for five years called Amy's Living Magic. I always want to say that because I want to know if anybody had ever bought anything from me. We also made, I also made raw chocolate. I had like 19 different flavors of raw chocolates. Wow. It was a big deal. Wow. Um, and then, then I wrote a book, which was self-published. And right after that, all my raw food friends started having teeth problems or skeletal problems. And I was having skeletal problems too. And we all started changing our diet, adding a little scrambled eggs, adding raw butter. And um, I was so afraid to change because I was this leader in this really fun movement. And I, I had no idea that my skeletal issues were from the raw vegan diet. At the time, I just thought, oh, you know, maybe I'm getting old. Um, but I finally decided it was uh, 2010. January 2010, I decided to go uh, on the keto diet Mm. and started introducing. But at the time, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a fuel, I don't know what you call it. There was a fuel, not shortage, I don't know what it was, but gasoline prices were way up. And the whole idea of the local buying from local farms became really popular during that time. And what I was doing when I was a raw vegan, as I was importing nuts from all over the world, mixing them up, dehydrating them and sending them back out all over the world. And just so I could eat avocados every single day and lettuce in January. And the whole idea of being raw vegan it was like doubly crazy because of the fuel problem. Sure. So, so we decided to become keto and locavores. So living in Maine, it's pretty easy. You can buy all your food from local farmers, all of it. It's no right. problem. Even, even in 2010, just go to the, you either drive to a farmer or you, or a farm, or you go to the farmer's market, which they're great here. Wow. And I've heard in that part of the world, you can get like raw milk and real butter that is straight from the cat. That's amazing. Wow. Yep. That's amazing. That's amazing. I do have some questions about your raw vegan days. So when you switch to being mostly kind of low carb vegetarian to raw vegan, does that mean like it is raw? You're not cooking or processing really anything that you're eating? No, it's just, you know, I would, we, um, so we had this wonderful little breakfast cereal that I made out of buckwheat sprouts, um, and all 
soaked almonds and you know that was our breakfast every day at lunch we had a big ass salad um you know and we had um different marinated stuff i would you know i was a chef i could figure out how to make stuff taste really good and it did we loved it i loved it for several years it was great a lot of fun what i learned when i was a raw vegan though was i learned about plant toxins because we had to soak all of our seeds and nuts because of the phytic acid oh and i went off of all seed oils so that was 22 years ago. I went off of all seed oils because they were cooked. So the only oil I could use was olive oil. Gotcha. So even just so that, that, even just avoiding the vegetable oils is an amazing benefit. step. Yeah. Wow. Now, this is also the period of time where you came in contact with um, Daniel Vitalis, I believe. You told me some great stories, by the way. I have followed Daniel Vitalis for a very long time in the health space. This was before I started following him, and I know he had a history of being a raw vegan, and and your paths crossed, correct? Oh, yeah. He lives in a town, well, he lived in a town very close to where I was living, and he was friends with... um, some of my friends and um, I, the first raw food potluck I went to, he organized it at a yoga studio. So we, we were, you know, really good friends back then. Cool. Wow. And then, and at the same time, my daughter worked for David Wolf, the famous raw foodist who I don't believe is a raw foodist anymore, but, um, you know, that was, that was fun. We'd go to New York city to some chocolate event. You know, we were, it was great. We had a lot of fun. That sounds great. You mentioned stay up all night eating chocolate. (laughs) Nice. Most, most people would absolutely love that. That's fantastic. Um, okay. So you mentioned that it was very difficult for you at that time because like you were, you were, noticing that your health was kind of going downhill and you know, you even mentioned to me offline like everybody was sneaking butter back then what was it like i know you said it was difficult for you i'm sure it was difficult for everybody what was that dissonance like it's not like you can go out in public and go order a steak or eat that butter in front of other people it's all got to be secretive how was that in the community well it was only at the end of when we, you know when we were realizing that all of our health issues were was because of the diet and we had found this farmer who made this amazing raw butter and it was like buying butter on the black market it was you know we would buy butter from her and then we'd have to hide it because we didn't want we didn't want um, david wolf to find out about it we had a superhero seminar at my house and I made all the food for it. I made raw food pizza and all this crazy food um, in the dehydrator. It was delicious, but we were starting to feel the effects of the diet and we're looking for answers. And so it, it wasn't like, I don't, at that time, nobody wanted to go out and buy steak. It wasn't like that. We were just, I mean, I was really afraid to change uh, because, I mean, people would call me on the phone crying. You saved my life. I mean, 
there were benefits. Somehow there were benefits from this raw vegan diet, probably because people went off the grains, they went off of processed foods, and they were feeling better. So they would call me to order from my store and, you know, thank me for, for all my work. Well, it was pretty weird to think that I was going to, I was the last one standing for sure wow. in, in my family group of friends. Wow. But I just, I, my daughter finally says, mom, try it for a month. If you don't like it, you can go back and be a serious raw foodist. I said, okay. And, but once I tasted scrambled eggs and red meat, and that was the first red meat I had had for 35 years. Wow. Even when I did the low-carb Bernstein diet, I did it with chicken and turkey and tuna wow. and eggs. So I had not eaten red meat since I was a kid. The first time I tasted red meat, I felt like I, my, I was just so nourished. I had never felt nourished in my entire life. And I didn't even know that that was missing. Yeah. But it, it was like the, the kind of thing where you hear this over and over again, like the angels saying, that's how totally. it felt. Wow, totally. <laughs> and and it, it sounds different even, you know, doing chicken or fish. I've, I've heard of people getting started with that. And it seems like that feeling good process becomes a little bit more gradual versus the person that, that goes off and eats the steak. That's when it's like fireworks in the brain. That's so amazing. I have one last question about the raw vegan. If you can recall back then, obviously like when you mentioned the locavore thing like you're trying to buy local which is great and that saves gas which is awesome and gas price is really high but were were you guys at the time as vegans talking about the environmental part of veganism and you know the the conversation these days is so much about you know animal agriculture and cows ruining the planet do you recall that conversation happening back then 15 years ago or in your experience has that been something that's come up a little bit more recently? I don't think that we were talking about it. I do remember that one of the things that helped me be convinced to eat animals again was when I realized how many small mammals were killed when they plow a field. When I found that out, it was like the, the nail in the coffin. It was like, okay, I can eat animals because I got it. You know, they're, they're going to die anyway. Yeah. And that made me feel better about eating animals. And, and eating animals from my neighbor's farm made me feel a lot better, too, yeah. about it. You know? Yeah, it's amazing it that you just, say oh, that. It's amazing that you say that, like Lierre told us not only about the combines and how, yeah, you're going to kill animals, but they're concentrating and running in this horrific fashion. And it's the last like acres that are absolutely like traumatizing is the way she described it, because it's not just that you're killing animals, you're doing it all at once at the very end. It sounded terrible. It's horrible. Ugh. Wow. Okay, well, thank you for that insight. That's what I understood about the conversation around veganism is that it was health promoting for such a long time and it's only been more recently that they're starting to throw in the argument about the environment. So that's really validating. I appreciate that. So, okay, so back to your story. You have the steak, the, the, the lights come back on. How are you feeling at that point? Well, I started feeling great on the keto diet. I did really well on it. And it was really good for my blood sugars. My blood sugars were much better on the 
keto diet. And I lasted for eight years until um, my husband and I were on a trip. And, you know, you're in the car, there's nothing to do. And we start listening to YouTube videos. And of course, in 2018, there's not really, I mean, so first we started listening to keto videos. We'd hear Mark Sisson or, you know, somebody in the keto movement, which then popped up the Joe Rogan podcast with Sean Baker and the Petersons. And we listened to those. And my husband says, I'm starting tomorrow. Wow. So he's, he started the carnivore diet. And it was the first diet we'd ever been on. He'd done all these other diets with me. It was the first diet we'd ever been on that he started before me. He was so excited about it. I decided to wait until we got home to start. And then we listened to every podcast that there was. And there wasn't any. It was those three plus one guy talking about starting the carnivore diet and how bad it was. There was nothing. So anyway, so when we got home, November 12th, and I started carnivore. So I really like the diet. I've had a lot of interesting experiences because I'm a constant experimenter. Um, There wasn't a huge change in like my insulin requirements or the diabetes. I've I pretty much went on the same amount of insulin from keto to carnivore. Um, I at first I realized if, when I look back at pictures of me from keto to carnivore, there's uh, my weight didn't really change, but I lost like my body looked a little swollen. Um, so there's a difference in how I look. Yeah. Um, I felt really good immediately. Um, within about six months, the floaters in my eyes disappeared. Um, within the first year, my hair that had been pretty gray turned blonde. It's getting gray now, but it, it was a huge difference. Oh, it looks great. Um, let's see. What else happened? I don't know. I guess got excited about the carnivore diet. (laughs) That's amazing. What were your reservations when you first went on the diet? Because I had the exact opposite reaction that your husband had. I'd already been in the low carbohydrate space, but for whatever reason, that episode of of Sean Baker was like, absolutely not. This is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard. It was only until about a month ago, I actually went back and finished the rest of the episode. And that's so yeah, and I and I, I listened to the episode today, and I'm like, wow, he's not even saying anything that controversial. But at the time, when I heard that episode, it was like, I, no, no way, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. What were your kind of hangups or reservations? Did you think it was a strange thing? Um. Okay, this is very interesting. I don't think I had any reservations uh, because I had things I still wanted to heal, and. The keto diet was great, but it was kind of like maintenance. I wasn't going to go anywhere. I wasn't going to heal anything. I was just, you know, buying my time on the keto diet. I was ready to do some more healing. 
And I figured this is something I've never tried before. I, I might as well try it and see what happens. Yeah, that is so consistent. I can say the same thing for myself and my carnivore journey. Keto, amazing. Like if you're switching from anything, generally speaking, you might go, you know, standard American, maybe you try vegetarian, then you do paleo, then you do, you know, more of a low carb keto type approach. And that progression's awesome. Like keto was great. I loved it. But you're right. There's this different level of going from keto to carnivore where not only do you you attain that healing, but it's all of these like crazy things, the symptoms that you have dealt with for 50 years, you hardly even don't appreciate. We just had a guest on that was talking about athlete's foot. He dealt with athlete's foot for his entire life. And all of a sudden on carnivore, it's gone. And it's like, it doesn't even, if you've been in the carnivore space and you've worked with other people, you're not even surprised by that kind of thing anymore. People describe it all the time, like the joints aching, the gut issues, the bloating, that that type of kind of inflammation that you're describing, like feeling puffy. And then all of a sudden you're just like strong and lean and feel amazing. That is so consistent. Do do you agree? Do you hear those same stories? Oh, I totally agree. And I had forgotten that, you know, I'm 68 years old. I do not have aches and pains anywhere on my body. And I talk to people who are my age and they'll go, Oh, this is hurting. And this is hurting. And that, and, and then they'll say, well, you know how it is. And it's like, I don't know what to say. I have no aches. I have no pains. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I'm just about to turn 40 here in a year and a half. And everybody's telling me kind of the same thing. Just wait till you turn 40. And I'm like, I'm going to turn 39 soon. And I feel as good as I've ever felt. Like, I, we'll see what happens when I get to 40. But I'm not expecting any it, major changes. You'll just keep feeling good. I mean, um, 68 is not old. I know many people think it's very old. I live upstairs. I walk five to eight miles, nine miles yesterday. I, I walk a lot because I love it and it helps with my blood sugar so much. Um, you know, in so year before last, I did, I did um, the lion diet for three months. I did only beef and lamb for three months because I wanted to see if I could be able to get off of insulin. My insulin requirements went probably, they were probably cut by three quarters. Wow. Uh, They went down to nearly nothing. I wasn't even taking insulin at night. I I was took almost nothing, but I got so bored and I couldn't, I just couldn't do it longer than three months because I missed eggs, bacon and decaf too much, I guess. <laughs> so, so in January, I'm starting another experiment and I'm going to do boiled beef for the month of January Interesting. with the broth, with the broth for every meal. Hmm. Wow. And there's another guy on Instagram who I just discovered who's doing, he's calling it the carnivore gaps diet. This guy is Rory's kitchen. Um, so he's doing it for 30 days right now and it's almost finished. And he did it because Rory's kitchen rules. Um, he did it because of really severe gut issues. Wow. So he's pretty interesting and he's actually very comical. I think he's British and it's like 
watching, um, you know, some British comedy talking about this crazy soup diet. It's very funny, very entertaining. That's really... So that, that's my, my plan in January. I want to see how low I can get my insulin requirements. Yeah, got it. Okay. And how sustainable it is. Gotcha. Well, okay. So that's a really good point and something we should maybe kind of highlight is like, okay, you're, you're telling me boiled beef. I'm all in for the beef, but I don't know about the boiled thing. Um, I probably won't join that challenge in January. However, I want to go back to an interview that was done by Daniel Vitalis. He was interviewing um, um, Sally Norton. You asked about it. I ended up sending you that episode yeah. so you could listen to it. Yeah. And there was that There was that point in the conversation where, you know, they're talking about carnivore and Daniel Vitalis says, of course, all these vegans would then go to carnivore to kind of stick it to the vegans and show that they can only eat meat and kind of antagonize all the vegans and I'm so glad she said something Sally said absolutely not people go to carnivore diets because they have suffered they are struggling with something it is worth it for them to only eat meat because whatever the cost is of eating other things and eating plants is just too high and so you think about somebody like him or somebody like yourself like boiled beef for a month again that doesn't sound so appetizing to me but if you're looking for healing if you're trying to heal something that is completely different I wish more people would understand that about carnivore it's not just this like savage diet to go on it is a diet of healing definitely it definitely definitely is yeah and the boiled beef it won't be too bad there's salt you know and i'll i'll try to get beef that has bones because the uh, the idea of the broth is for it to have bones so to be a bone broth and who knows i mean just recently after four years carnivore I can now drive at night. So I had to stop driving at night because the lights would grow and shine out like this. So I, I couldn't see the headlights coming in because I couldn't, I couldn't see the road. That's gone. Wow. But it took four years of carnivore before it left. Wow. That's amazing. Was your vision impacting your uh, artwork as well? No. Okay. No, I've never had, I have a contact lens on. I've never had very good vision and my vision has not gotten better. Gotcha. On the carnivore diet, except that I don't have floaters and now I can drive at night. So that is vision related, but my vision has not improved. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I hope I'm respectful when I ask about this. We mentioned in the introduction, your husband passed away of colon cancer in 2021, and I, that must be heartbreaking. And if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to, but I would love to talk a little bit about your husband's journey on carnivore. What was that like for him? Um, and yeah, maybe we could talk about his health. Right. Um, he didn't really have any health issues to do it. He was just kind of an adventurous diet person like I was. I mean, we had very much in common and he, um, he enjoyed the carnivore diet. He thought it was great. He did always have, um, something that was never diagnosed. It was probably irritable bowel. So he was a very serious coffee drinker and he loved chocolate. So if he ate too much chocolate, or too much coffee, he would have explosive diarrhea. And, you know, looking back, I think that this tumor 
you know, he, he was diagnosed with the tumor in March of 2021. And it was a very big tumor. And I think it had its beginnings well before carnivore. Yeah. Um, and, and going your whole adult life with this issue with the irritable bowel and never really getting to the, even carnivore, carnivore might have healed it, except that he always drank coffee and he always ate chocolate or he might even have rice at somebody's house. So he was eating a little bit of other food because he thought, unlike me, I couldn't get away with something like that. Yeah. But he could because he didn't have type 1 diabetes. Right. So he, he was probably, you know, 90 to 95% carnivore. But I don't think we can ever go back and figure out what caused the tumor. Right. But the doctors, I mean, I think the doctors were kind of responsible for what actually happened to him. They would not allow him to see a surgeon. He was not allowed to have surgery to cut the tumor out because they thought it was too big and they wanted him to do chemo. And Denny was like, I've lived a natural lifestyle my whole life. I am not going to do chemo. So we started, we went to a naturopathic oncologist who we found, but this guy was, could have been better. He was um, really into supplements and you can imagine. So we go there, we we he recommends all these supplements we leave with $1500 worth of supplements in two giant bags and my husband has a giant tumor in his colon he couldn't take supplements he couldn't get them down so that wasn't going to work and the, and so the doctor said you know you're going to do a keto diet well yeah we agreed i had already read Thomas Siegfried, I had read um, Annette Bosworth. I had already been reading even before he was diagnosed just because I'm a health researcher. I had read two books about cancer and healing and, and keto. Um, I don't know why, I just, it was interesting to me. So we were gonna put him on a keto diet right away. But he had this blood test where they tested the cancer and the genes, and was told that the keto diet would not work on his cancer because it was a different kind of, it was the BRAF gene and it wouldn't work. And I think my husband believed them. And his digestion or his, his pain was so great that he could barely eat anyway by that time. And he had lost, he weighed 105 pounds. He was skin and bones. I mean, it gets worse. Then his colon perforated his intestines and he had to have emergency surgery. And he never really recovered from that. Wow. They, gave, they gave him a bag. Um, he never really recovered. I mean, he, he dealt with it as well as he could. And we had been doing a lot of therapies, 
Um, he was doing sauna, acupuncture, um, hyperbaric, ozone. Um, and he started, it seemed like he was going to get better. And then there was a point at which it, after the surgery, he just, he just couldn't recover. It was, it weakened him too much. Yeah. Wow. So he was, you know, it was eight months. He died uh, last November. Wow. Well, I am so sorry for your loss and all the suffering that he had to go through. I really um, am very grateful that you wanted to go there with us. Did anybody, you know, afterwards or during the process say, you've got this going on in your colon, it's all the red meat? Did anybody like cross that line and, and blame his diet? Nobody really said it. I think people might have been thinking it. Um, and and I I heard one question: Do you think it's the diet? But nobody went any farther than that. Gotcha. It's interesting now because among my family and friends, I I feel awkward recommending the carnivore diet because of what my husband went through. Wow. So I feel like I don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah, my health is better. But what happened to your husband? Uh, wow. I didn't think about that. That's a really interesting point. I would feel exactly the same way that you did in that situation. Wow. Did you ever think that your diet was going to change after you went through that? No. And Sean Baker asked me the same thing. And it's interesting. I don't know why I never thought about it. Um, partly because I love the carnivore diet so much because I never have to cut a vegetable. Um, I never have to shop for them. I don't have to throw away the rotten pieces. I love that part of a carnivore diet. I love shopping. I, I love eating it this way. And I've also read thousands of testimonials and follow, I don't know how many people on Instagram who have healed so many things on the carnivore diet that I, um, I'm not interested in going back Yeah, because that's what it would be, it would be going back yeah. Yeah. to me. Mm. Wow. Okay. So an another, I don't know, I guess I've never thought about this until this conversation. When, when people talk about going on the carnivore diet, they talk very frequently about how much your brain turns on, you're thinking more clearly, the brain fog goes away. And emotionally, I would describe it personally as an increase in spirituality or gratitude or just like ability to deal with stress and okayness with life. Mine went up when I went carnivore. Going from low carb to, to carnivore was much better. And last year, we lost, we lost one of our house pets, which was, it's, just, it's a cat. But to me, it was a big deal. Like that cat was in my lap every single night and it was really tough. And I would say I was very, very sad for a very short period of time and then I felt really okay with that. Can you say, can you comment on what the grieving process was like and do you think, totally just, just your opinion, do you think that the diet has helped you in any way emotionally go through this process? It's hard to say because I we were together nearly 24 seven every day for 42 years. Um, the grieving process has been difficult, but I feel like there's a part of me who has learned that I'm strong 
and I choose to live and I want to enjoy my life and learning how to live with myself has been a great challenge. I'm living alone for the first time in my life. I'm doing things that he would have done, like carrying big carboys of five gallons of water up the stairs to put on my water dispenser. You know, I'm taking care of myself. I'm doing things that I had never done before because I was the woman in a relationship and my husband loved to do things for me. He also loved to drive. And I had not driven for years because, well, I drove on our trips a little bit, but I wasn't the driver. So now I'm like, I'm the driver. I have to drive everywhere. You know, I drove, I drove from Maine to New York City to visit one of my sons. And this is something I never, ever would have been able to do. And so I feel, I feel stronger. Um, Yeah, I really miss, I miss being married. I miss having somebody to talk to all the time. Thank God for Zoom because I have a lot of friends I get to talk to. You know, it's, it's interesting, the life, it's a different world. It's a different world. Wow. Well, again. And I. I had to move from where I was living to another town. So I don't really have any friends. I live close to one of my sons and that's great, but I don't have any friends. So interesting. Terrible timing for a pandemic to happen when we're just kind of coming out and trying to (laughs) sort people out again. Um, yeah, again, I'm just I'm I'm very grateful that you wanted to go there and, and kind of make a few speculations and talk about that. I know that's a very difficult thing, but I, I really appreciate it and I, I appreciate appreciate that insight. As you've been traveling through this year, the year after, you know, 2022, what other things are you really proud of? What what things do you think you've really adjusted well with? Um interesting. Well, Besides, I did want to mention that when I was a raw vegan, I was introduced to collecting spring water from a spring. And so I've been doing that for the last 20 years. But I've I've never had to carry those carboys myself. (laughs) They're heavy. They're heavy. I've got mine right here. Yeah. So there's one good thing about where I moved to. I'm only 17 miles from the best spring I have ever been to. Amazing. Wow. It goes through, it goes through a um, tourmaline deposit. The spring water is on a road called Mica Road, and the water travels through a gym called tourmaline, which is you can find a lot of it in Maine, and it's the best water I've ever had. So <laughs> I drive there to collect my spring water. Amazing. Good time to plug Daniel Vitalis one more time. He created the website Find a Spring. He was find the a spring. findaspring.com. Yeah, I think it's still running. Yeah. I don't know if it's updated very often, but that's how I found a spring I, near me. Yeah, I recommend it all the time because when I when I post about collecting spring water, I put it on my Instagram account and everybody is asking me, I wish I could do that. And I said, Well, you can't. They're everywhere. Go to findaspring.com. You'll find a spring close enough. Yep. It, and we, I used to have to drive an hour and a half to go to a spring, and I don't have to. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. There is a lot of work required. I don't do it as often as I used to, but like 
every time I'm anywhere near the area where my spring is near me, I'm filling up all the bottles that I have. And it, it, it's just the richness is, is so different. The flavor is so different. It's so much better than regular water. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. But yeah, carrying around those five-gallon carboys, not easy. No, and it's going to be interesting during the winter. We're having some some weather this weekend and I'm not, I need to get to the spring. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, Cause on. it's a completely, when the, when the snow is taller than the spring, you know, um, <laughs> that's a problem. That's a main problem right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, interesting. So, so going through all of this and changing the diet, you know, you're, you're on social media and now you're sharing your message. And so I love to ask people who are out there sharing the message. Why is it that it was so important to you to put this message out and share this message with people? Because like I tell a lot of coaches out there, like you don't, you don't have to do that. You could just, you know, live your life and experience your benefits and keep that to yourself. And nobody would know would be totally fine. But, but I noticed that especially with carnivore, people want to share for you personally, what was it that made you want to put this stuff out there to help other people? I just, I just thought it was important. It's just part of the work. And partly I wanted to share it with type one diabetics, but partly I wanted to share it with type two diabetics or people with just insulin resistance. If insulin resistance goes with a weight issue, I wanted to share it with everybody who carnivore could help because I've been fortunate enough to hear about it pretty early. <clears throat> In fact, <clears throat> when I first started researching about keto back in 2010, I found the Zeroing In on Health forum and read all about Charlene and Joe Anderson and Kelly Hogan and Charles Washington. I knew all about them, but I'm like, no way. Now, see, I wasn't ready then. I wish I had done it then. But I was like, they're crazy. I, I can't do it. And I wasn't ready. So. Wow. Those are some serious OGs in the carnivore world for sure. They were yeah. up for a long time. <laughs> cool that you came in contact with that forum. And, and that was the format. It was a forum back then. And yeah. yeah, a lot of people can trace their kind of carnivore lineage to that forum. So that's amazing. One thing I really yeah. love about your posts is the pictures like we talked about. But I love that you there's a lot of variety in your foods and it doesn't look like super done up. It's just the food is there. It's plated. Well, it looks absolutely delicious, but it feels very accessible and doable. Like all the foods that you make, I'm fairly confident that I can see the pictures and say, you know what? I can, I can make that. That's not that hard. So, so is, did you do that on purpose? Did you try to share that message to, to make things more accessible with people? I'm not sure I did on purpose. Maybe I'm just lazy. <laughs> um, I know that I love food that tastes real. And that sometimes <clears throat> making some of the carnivore recipes that look like something else, like a waffle, it just feels too made up. I really like simple recipes because I think your body recognizes simple food better than a, a food with a lot of ingredients. Although for the Christmas parties that I'm going to, I've bought all the ingredients to make <clears throat> carnivore pizza. Awesome. Awesome. 
and, and probably because it's right before I go on this crazy beef and beef and broth diet that I'm I'm eating so many different foods right now and I'm going to make this pizza that I've been wanting to try out. Hope I live through it. <laughs> I'm sure that will be amazing. I'm I'm really glad you made that point. Like if you've been carnivore, you know, longer than a few months, I think you'll find the phrase that you used, carnivore recipes, almost like a bit of an oxymoron. I don't know hardly anybody who's been on carnivore for more than like a month or two that it becomes like I didn't make a recipe. I just have a cast iron. I put some butter in there. Whatever red meat I had laying around that sounded good that day is going to go in it, and I'm going to tack it until I'm totally satiated. There's not really like recipes that you use very much anymore. It's just like, does tri-tip sound good today, or does ground beef sound good today? And it's just, it's so delicious with very few ingredients. I love that you noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I mean, I have made oopsie cake, and I have made cheesecake. And I made those during Thanksgiving and my blood sugars were horrible for two solid weeks. So my body does not do great with dairy. I do eat a lot of butter right now. You can see it on my post. I love the butter because I still buy it from the same farmer. Um, It's amazing, but I'll be doing without it in January. Yeah, you will. My My body doesn't. I mean, it does okay, but it doesn't do optimal. Gotcha. On, on any dairy. Yeah, gotcha. I know a lot of people who say that same thing. What makes you really excited about the future? What things are you looking forward to? Um, interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in, I mean, I'm looking forward to coaching people more with um, the carnivore and type 1 diabetes. I'm looking forward to painting and selling my paintings and um developing new friendships even if they are all on zoom (laughs) um you know just um playing with my grandkids enjoying my family um that's that's about it learning i can every day. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I love all of that. And and just for the listener, like be sure to go to Amy's website because your pictures are amazing. You are an amazing artist. Absolutely love scrolling through all of those. Um, but you also mentioned your coaching business. So tell us how you are going to be working with people moving forward. Well, it's going to be, you know, if they contact me, then they want my help. We'll agree on, I have a package that's like six sessions for six weeks. Um, That's one price. Or if you just want to meet with me a couple of times, that's a different price. And so we just agree on something. Um, And we just go from there. I, you know, I try to help them with anything I can. I've been doing the carnivore for four years, but I've also been experimenting with diets for, you know, 45 years. So I'm pretty, I can be pretty helpful, I think. Yeah, I think you can for sure. Just sharing your experience is amazing. And I just want to point out for the listener, what you just said, your packages that you offer, you can work with me for a few sessions. You can work with me for six sessions for six weeks. You didn't say you're going to buy $1,500 worth of supplements. You didn't say you're going to be working with me every single month for two years. Like if you're a carnivore coach, like I am, we suck at business. We are not good at business because our clients succeed and don't 
don't need us anymore. I don't know many people that have hired me for more than a handful of sessions, and they just kind of figure it out and go their merry way, and it's amazing. Well, that's true, but I don't think we'll ever run out of sick people to help. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. There's still so many more people to help and more people to meet, and that's totally fine. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a great contrast to you know where I was working at the big corporate gym selling supplements. I know the commission numbers I would have made from that big of a supplement sale would have been pretty nice. Uh, but yeah, it, it really does feel nice to be working with people in a way that you know they're not going to be with you forever, and they can go and use their time and energy and money and resources for other yeah. things. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. This has been such... Yeah. Such a fun conversation. Um, Amy, where would you like people to go to find you and connect with you and your work and take advantage of your coaching? Well, my website is my name. I've done everything. Everything is my name. So I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. It's Amy Fields Perrin, A-I-M-E-E-F-I-E-L-D-S-P-E-R-R-I-N. My website is amyfieldsperrin.com. Instagram, Amy Fields Parent, Facebook, Amy Fields Parent. I just did it all like that, just so it would be simpler. You don't have to remember any kind of cute name. It's very. I mean, it is a cute name. It's a very cute name. Re- <laughs> I used to be. I used to be the butter eater underscore T1D, which is type one diabetes. On Instagram, that was my name on Instagram, and I changed it to my name because. I wanted to be able to fast from butter and I couldn't call myself the butter eater anymore. So I had to change my name. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, I, I think I just, I, everything would be the same. That's very smart. It keeps things very simple and it will help lots of people to find you. So Amy Field Perrin, thank you so very much for <laughs> spending some time with us today. Thank you for sharing your journey. You've certainly been through a lot with health and all the personal things you've had to deal with, but to come through that and be willing to share your story, I think is wonderful and really appreciate you and everything that you've done and the time you took to be on our show today. We really appreciate you. Well, Casey, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate being here. Awesome. Well, it was a lot of fun, and it was an honor to host you. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. At the close of one year and the beginning of a new year, I just wanted to make sure to thank you, the listener, for all of your support and for listening to our show. 2022 was an amazing year that saw lots of growth with the podcast, but also came with amazing results with the people that we get to work with in our business, Boundless Body. We began our business during the confusion of the 2020 pandemic and opened up in July of that year. And we've been absolutely amazed with how things have gone. It was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of building the plane as we were flying it, but it's turned out amazing. We just absolutely love seeing our clients get amazing results. We love seeing all the great feedback and positive reviews that come through on Apple. So if you haven't already, please leave us a review there on Apple as it's the best way for the show to continue to grow and impact the lives of people all over the world. We're super excited for 2023. We already have lots of great guests and topics lined up, and we have no intention of slowing down our releases anytime soon. Also, feel free to check out our premium content, which we post on Patreon. There you will find our extended and unedited episodes 
episodes, which we post on the day of recording. So you actually don't have to wait for the edited version of the podcast to release, which can sometimes be several weeks, actually. And on Patreon, you will also find the Boundless Body Radio Premium Podcast. This was my special project this year. I really wanted to combine all of the very best clips about one topic from our show to combine into extended episodes that take a very deep dive into a topic. I've created two separate topics as a masterclass that are three episodes each. One is all about the macronutrients, and the second is all about keto and ketogenic diets. That way you can get a fantastic education from some of our amazing guests in a format that can help you zero in on the topic that you are most interested in, something I'm very proud of and believe that we are sharing this content for a very high value. Remember that you can also book a complimentary 30-minute session with us on our website at myboundlessbody.com. And thank you again so very much for listening to Boundless Body Radio.